TV, comics, movie stars, hit singles and some toys. It's trivia and dirty jokes, an evening with the boys. Once is never good enough for something so fantastic. So here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Here's another Gilbert and Franks. Colossal classic. I'm alright, nobody but about me Why you got to give me a fight, can't you just let it be Hi, this is Kenny Loggins, and you're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing Colossal Podcast Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host Frank Santo Padre. Our guest this week is a singer, occasional actor, a record producer, a platinum-selling and Grammy-nominated recording artist, and one of the most prolific and admired songwriters of his generation, composing hit singles like Everybody Needs Love, Save It for a Rainy Day, and one of the most popular and frequently played songs of the 1970s on and on. His songs have been recorded by Barbara Streisand, Art Garfunkel, Eric Clapton, Steve Perry, The Four Tops, Johnny Mathis, David Crosby, and on our upcoming podcast guest, Kenny Loggins, and Luciano Pavarotti, to name just a few. And Phil Collins. (laughs) And Phil Collins. (laughs) Shut up and let me talk. (laughs) And and he's worked alongside talents like Chaka Khan, Michael McDonald, Sting, Dionne Warwick, David Foster, Phil Collins... Phil Collins, see you didn't that to interrupt me before. <laughs> Sorry, it was my manager's fault. <laughs> yeah, it's it's written down here, and even his good friend Carrie Fisher. He also has written songs for a number of movies, including The China Syndrome, Roadie, Unfaithfully Yours, Author, Mickey and Maud, Heart and Souls, Summer Lovers, The Boy Who Could Fly. The Money Pit, as well as the title song in the classic comedy, National Lampoon's Animal House. A movie he also famously appeared in. He also penned the number one Billboard hit and Oscar-nominated ballad Separate Lives from the film White Nights and recorded the unforgettable love song It Might Be You. From the movie Tootsie. His brand new album is called We'll Talk About It in the Car. And he's also working on a memoir and documentary, which hopefully he'll tell us about. And he's our second guest this evening to have appeared in 19 
77's Kentucky Fried Movie. Please welcome to the show a performer of multiple talents, a songwriter, songwriter, and a man who says he was once confronted by Bob Marley's wife over a song lyric that she didn't like. The very inventive Stephen Bishop. The very inventive. I like that. <laughs> we, I'm gonna invent something here. We also got like the name Edison. of the we, we got the name of the album wrong, so we're gonna correct it. We'll talk about it later in the car. That's all right. Yes. Now, That's before good. anything else, last time, and if if not, we'll have to have a different beginning. Uh we we had Kenny Loggins on, and he had worked with Michael McDonald. And I asked him to do a Michael McDonald imitation. Can oh. you do a Michael McDonald imitation? <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> You've come to the right place. I Gil. can do a lot of Im- imitations. I'm really good at imitations. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. The whole world sounds like Michael McDonald. And I want to sound like Michael McDonald too. And I do. I knew you could do it. Excellent. That's by Michael. Uh, what's his name? Silvershire, something like that. This guy. I, this guy wrote a whole thing about Michael McDonald. He went through a, a period of time when he was just singing. He sang on a bunch of my albums. You know. Yes, he, he was did. Terrific. Yeah. 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 We, I also do Billie Holiday. Let's oh, hear it. Go right ahead. <laughs> but it sounds a, a hell of a lot like Diana Ross. So <laughs> here it goes. Um. If I go out on Sunday and cabaret all day Monday, ain't no that's business if I do. If I get beat up by my papa and I don't call no copper, ain't no that's business if I do. Ain't nobody's business if I do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, we're blown away. Wow. Okay, just keep going. <laughs> oh, I do a couple other I do I do Bob Dylan hailing a cab in New York City. Okay. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Taxi. Oh, I do a little bit of Diana Ross. Okay. <laughs> But it sounds a lot, hell of a lot like Billy Holiday, as I said. <laughs> Do you know when you're going through? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? Impressive. <laughs> would, you, would you like to hear some of Gilbert's Peter Laurie, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I remember Peter Laurie. <laughs> give, give him a taste, Gil. <laughs> No, it's you who ruined it. You, it's your, you, it's your stupid attempt to buy it. Kevin found out how valuable it was. You imbecile! You <laughs> blundering fathead! <laughs> what do you think? That's the weirdest impression I've ever heard. <laughs> well, how did you get around to Peter Lorre? <laughs> Do some more singing ones. <laughs> I can do, I can do, who else do I do? I do a bunch of them. I do, uh, uh, 
You know, uh, I do a whole bunch. Oh, I do um, uh, Enrique Glacius. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Lay it on us. Excellent. Let's see. Okay. Billy, don't be a hero. Don't make a fool of your life. Billy, don't be a hero. Come back and make me your wife. <laughs> it's not just Enrique Iglesias. It's just Enrique Iglesias sings Bo Donaldson in the Haywoods. It's <laughs> <That's> impressive. <laughs> I do more. I just can't think yes. of it. What is more I do? Wow. I don't know. Well, it's weird. I'm still recovering, you know, because I, I walked in this uh, grocery store last week, and this woman walks up to me, right? It was I, I was picking out the perfect uh, uh, cauliflower or, or the other cauliflower. Anyway, uh, this woman goes, oh, it's you. I can't believe it. You're the greatest. I've been listening to your music all my life, and you're just incredible. And I'm like, well, you know. And she's like, oh, I love your music. And your song, Short People, was like oh. one of my. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So wait, I know, I think I'm leaving somebody. Will out. you tell oh. Randy that story? Oh, 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 right. Wait, wait a minute. I do um, Super Tramp. Okay. Because uh, I always thought they sounded Indian, you know. <laughs> when I was young, I was also logical, mystical, oh, phenomenal, criminal. Oh, tell me, what would you do if I found you? <laughs> um, that's a vegetable. <laughs> oh, my God. Steve, I got a new puppy, and I uh, his name is Randy Newman. I swear to God, Fantastic. that's his name. That's and, you know. We were just on on the road, and we had to take him with us. And it was like people would come by our uh, hotel room, and I'd be in there going, "Randy Newman, why did you do that?" <laughs> you know, and I could just imagine what people would think. You know, well, what? you must do a Randy Newman, then I take it. What you must do a Randy Newman imitation? Oh, oh, I don't. Not really. No. I don't. No, I love Randy. I don't yes, like he's great. Love him. Love him. <laughs> I sang on one of his albums, which is really great. We no, I don't. I don't. Um, uh, who was I doing just the other day? Oh, I don't know. I'm blanking. But that's about it. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good repertoire. Okay, we'd like to thank you for coming on. <laughs> tell, yeah, yeah, right. Tell the Bob Marley story that we have in the intro because it's a funny, it's a story worth telling. The which what? The Bob Marley story that we put into the intro. Oh, dear. Okay, well... <laughs> <laughs> on and on was like a big hit and everything was going great and everything. I went to this party one weekend and um, a lot of people there. And I was introduced to Bob Marley's widow, uh, Rita Marley, I think her name is. Yes. And she said to me, um, are you Stephen Bishop? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She goes, Jamaican women, they do not break your heart and steal your money. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the first line of on and on, you yes, know, yes. down in Jamaica, they got lots of pretty women steal your money, then they break your heart. Well, I shouldn't have probably said that, but I was using poetic license. Of course. And so, so I, I told her that it was poetic license. And I was like a question. It was like, no, it, she wouldn't take that. So I, I kind of like kind of disappeared from the party and I went in the kitchen, you know, and I'm like back there in the kitchen and I'm trying to find something to do. And they had like a Jamaican cook. So I go, hi there. He goes, hey, man. You know, and I just thought, uh-oh, I better not uh, have her tell him, him the whole story. It's a weird story. 
I'm trying to get past Bob Dylan hailing a cab. <laughs> that was great. Big C. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you think of another singing imitation you do, write it down. I, I, I was ask my manager here. She'll she'll probably come up with something. What do you got there? What? Anyway, never mind. <laughs> we'll talk about it later in the car. <laughs> yes, we'll, 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 tell us where that comes from. We'll, well talk about it story. later in the it's, car. It's a weird kind of interesting story. Um, it's actually a great kind of, I don't know if this is the right term, non sequitur, or like if you have to leave the conversation, mm -hmm. you go, yeah, really? Yeah, pygmies do fly. Okay, uh, we'll talk about it later in the car. And, you know, <laughs> and it's just a great way to bring yourself away from whatever's going on. But uh, the really, um, I, I dated like uh, Carrie Fisher for like two weeks back in 70, what year? <laughs> I don't know. It was after she did uh, the first Star Wars, and um, we went to Saturday Night Live one time. And sh she was, like, funny about holding my hand. I'm thinking, oh, she slept with everybody here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, she didn't want to hold my hand. So finally, she gets on this phone, not a cell phone. They weren't invented yet. So she gets on uh, this little, remember, like, Saturday Night Live had those little booths? where you could talk, yes. like a little phone booth. Yes. Well, well, she gets on this phone, and she's talking to somebody, and I walk by her, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I've really blown it, and I'm, she doesn't like me. And then I hear her say, anyway, we'll talk about it later in the car. And I thought, what does that mean? And so she comes over, and I said, well, I heard you say it. We'll talk about it later. Was that about me? And she, she said, no, no. My mother used to say that to me when I was a little kid, uh, you know, if we got in an argument. Debbie Reynolds would say, we'll talk about it later in the car. Love it. So that that line just stuck with me for years and years, and I would use it on stage because you, you say that, and you usually leave people going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So Debbie Reynolds is responsible in, indirectly or directly for the name of your new album. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way. I met I, her once. She was did? really great. I heard you sneak this phrase into a song. In doing my deep research, I heard you end the song with, we'll talk about it later in the car. It was a Monster Mash cover. Oh, right, right. <laughs> with you I was walking in the lab late one night when thy eyes beheld an eerie sight. I used my friend's dad, who is English, and he invented the Bentley. And uh, his name was Amherst Villers. And I knew him, you know, when I was in England for a while. And he had this kind of, hello, well... Be glad you're on the planet, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and so I used that voice for Monster Mash. It was you, Linda Ronstadt, and, and your old friend Andrew Gold. And Carla Bonoff. And on Carla Bonoff, right. Yeah, they were singing background. And, uh, you know, I did the whole thing. Actually, it's getting around finally after all these years, that's, that record. Yeah, we're, that, that's, that's catnip for Gilbert. Now, he loves that stuff. Now, particularly in your early years when you were a kid, you would write like like 20 songs a month or something. And what yeah. do you remember? There were weird songs, though. They were like, you know, There's a Hair in Your Enchilada was one song. Um, <laughs> Fly on Her Lips. Uh, 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 Will There Ever Be a Sunday in Nebraska? <laughs> What's the one? Beer Can on the Beach. What's oh, the one you wrote down, oh, Gil? The, yes, yes, there's two. Dump the spittoon I mean, over I mean, Natty's head? Yes. Yeah, dump the spittoon <laughs> over it, and he said, these are really <laughs> real songs, you and know, that I wrote. Benny, Benny the Wharf Rat? 
Yeah, the Benny the Wharf Rat. Yeah. Can you Greasy, sing? frisky, full of whiskey, slobbering down the hall. You know, it was this whole song. You know, I was into that. You know, I always say you have, you're not going to be a great songwriter until you get your heart broken. And I hadn't gotten really gotten my heart broken yet, so I was writing weird crap. <laughs> now, can I you, like Benny the can you sing what you think may be the worst song you ever wrote? Well, uh... <laughs> The the first song that comes into my mind was, um, this is really weird. I was at this party years and years ago, and Penny Marshall was there, and James Brooks was there, the director. And they were talking to me, and they said, well, yeah, you're a songwriter, but can you write a song in like half an hour? I was like, yeah. And he, they said, go do it. So I, went, so I went to the other room, and I wrote this song, and it was called Girls' Bones Found. <laughs> Girls' Bones Found. Like in the paper, you know, you girls' bones found. You know, it's all oh, like a like, oh, like a New York Post like a headline. headline. Can, can you sing some of that for us? I can. I don't know. I don't remember the whole thing, but maybe I'll do some of it. Her name was Jenny Lee, and she was all of seventeen. Big old Tom, he knew it, for he'd seen her through the screen. He watched her pick her purple berries from her daddy's field. Because Tom had wanted Jenny's p berries because they were so ripe to peel. <laughs> Girls' bones found. <laughs> and, then, and then he, oh my and then God. it's all about that. And then the last verse, I think, is, now the noose is tied around his neck and the crowd is getting uh, tense. Big old Tom cries, Lord have mercy. This is some kind of an experience. But his face is still there on the gallows. He knows all too well. He'll spend his time in heaven bowling while Tom will make snowballs in hell. Lord, while Tom will make snowballs in hell. <laughs> you, you knocked this out in 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of iconic. <laughs> Gil, you wanted to, you wanted to ask Stephen way back at the beginning about how uh, how he discovered the Beatles. Yes, yes, it was something you were waiting for the light to change. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I was a like a, a newspaper boy, you know, selling newspapers and all that on the corner of in San Diego on. Uh, let's see, it was like seventieth uh, and uh, something. Anyway, it was right on the corner where there was a foster freeze. And so I was like about 13, 12 or 13, when all of a sudden this convertible pulls up and it's this guy making out with this girl. And on the radio is, I want to hold your hand. I want to, hold, you know, and it just sounded like magic to me. It was like, oh, my God, you know. And since then, I've become such a serious Beatleholic. That was a, that was a, uh, a transformative moment. It was. It really was. And I, I wound up, I didn't have enough money. I was pretty broke. I, I was raised pretty poor. And so I didn't have enough money to buy the Beatles' first album, Meet the Beatles. So I went and got um, this album. <laughs> the next best thing was an album called The Bugs. And so I went, I was a big Bugs fan <laughs> for a while. I knew all their songs, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, the Bugs, you know, like the <laughs> the Bugs. So, uh, and then the Beatles came along. I mean, then they, they had come along, and so I wound up uh, finally getting with it and saving up my money. And, and uh, since then, it's like the best thing that ever happened to this world, I think. I even had a dream. <laughs> 
when I was 15. Yeah. I call it my Beatles dream. I was so into the Beatles that all I could do, you know, I was on the, on the bus, you know, trading uh, bubblegum cards with Paul. Oh, look, here's a good one to Paul, you know, and stuff. And so I was doing all that and I was a major Beatle fan. And I had this dream uh, that I had my own apartment and it was like, I lived on the second floor in this dream. And one day um, there was a knock on the door and I went to the door and it was John Lennon and Paul McCartney at my door. And I said, wow, guys, what are you doing here? And John said, you know, well, we were in the neighborhood. We thought we'd drop in. And so Paul went, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. So I go, wow, guys, come on in. We'll write a song. You know, so I magically had three guitars. And we wrote this song in E, you know. And uh, I don't remember it, really. And then, um, you know, John Lennon stood up. And said, uh, you know, we've got to get going, but we were wondering if you'd like to join the group. And so I said, <laughs> and Paul said, yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I said, uh, gosh, guys, I'd really like to, but I promised my mom I'd help her clean up the backyard tomorrow. That was my dream. Wow. It was a real dream. It's a downer ending, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, it is a kind of a downer ending. Were, I were, mean, what am I going to say? Yeah, I went off and I was I was a sixth member of the Dave Clark Five, you know, or something. I don't know. Were you into those Beatles Saturday morning cartoons? Too, as we talk about them on the podcast. You know it. Yeah. You and, know it. I always did. They never sounded anything like the Beatles. They weren't even trying to sound like the Beatles. I know, I know. They were like, hey, Paul McCartney over here. It's John Lennon here. <laughs> <laughs> we think they sounded like Ronald Coleman. Yeah. It's like, come along, Paul. We're on an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But even, on an adventure. even before the Beatles came into your life, I mean, you, you were musical. You 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 loved music. I got a kick out of the fact that you liked the Davy Crockett theme. Oh, that was the first thing that really. Uh, well, the first song was Three Coins in a Fountain." Yeah. You know, I remember that when I was three. You know, I was sweeping the walk hearing that song. Um, but then when I was five, yeah, it was all about Davy Crockett. Man, I was. I even did a, a version of the theme. I recorded it, and it was on an album. Uh, the Davy Crockett theme. Really it's funny because the the very first part of it is like. Uh, I say, I'll, I go, uh, all right, come on, guys. Let's quit playing basketball and let's sing a Davy Crockett theme song, you know? Sing yeah. the Davy Crockett theme for us. <laughs> oh, pfft. um, Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier, killed him a bar and something else. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. I just remember killed him and Barr. <laughs> so, so the Beatles come along. Your life has yeah. changed. You were telling changed. us before we turned the mics on. You were actually studying the clarinet. Yeah, I was. I was uh, my creepy stepfather. I had a stepfather just hated. Was an opera singer and he hated the Beatles. And uh, when I saw him on Ed Sullivan, I had to promise that I would uh, clean up the backyard for the rest of my life just to watch. <laughs> The Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and he was like, he was like over there. He was like a big guy, you know, and he was like those mop tops, you know, like in disgust, you know. But they were everything to me. So, uh, yeah, 
And what, what you, was the question? I well, well, I was trying. You were telling us before we turned the mics on that you would tr- try oh. to impress girls in school with a clarinet. It yeah, just yeah. Wasn't he did it. give me a clarinet. That was his big saving grace. And and I took this clarinet to school, and I was in intermediate orchestra and everything. And uh, I would go out to the lunch quad and try and impress this girl, Bernadette Tarantino, who was like awesome looking, and she was like the hot girl of the school. And I would go out there. And I'd like be nice, going, you know, you know the, the song <laughs> from the Stones. You know, uh, can't get no satisfaction on a clarinet. I, I'll, I'll say something else that I shouldn't say. I've never said in an interview. Oh, though. cool. <laughs> when I was when I was in eighth grade and the Stones were really happening, <laughs> all the guys I knew were like experimenting with their units. You know, at that age. And I, I thought that Mick Jagger's saying, "You can't be a man because he doesn't sperm." <laughs> I couldn't understand his his English accent, and so all of us, all my friends, went, "Yeah," he says, "Can't be a man." Which is really, he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes yes. as me. But in, with his English accent, I thought it was, you know, "Can't be a man because he doesn't sperm." You know <laughs> what? <laughs> That's really bizarre. Isn't that bizarre? I shouldn't have probably said that story. No, my manager's going to give me a tough time now. So tell us about the weeds. Tell us about forming. Oh, the, the weeds. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was just talking about the weeds like yesterday to uh, some some uh, friends of mine, and um, I was the leader in the beginning, and I was like fourteen. And then my lead guitar player formed a a coup or something and got me out. And I was he, all of a sudden he was the leader of the weeds, and I never forget him. As as I was leaving, he kicked me in the ass, and I thought, "This is really bad." <laughs> oh my god! He went, "Get out of here! I'm the leader!" Boom! And he kicked me in the ass. And I'm walking home, going, oh, "He kicked me in the ass." <laughs> What? So I'm not, uh, you know, I finally became the leader again. Of the weeds. Yeah. We wound up, uh, yeah, I mean, the bass player and I are still great friends, uh, Mark Quincy. And uh, he, uh, when we talk on the phone, we have this thing that's been going on for about 20 years. It has to start with, hey, you jerk. No, you're the jerk. No, you're the jerk. You're like like 12 or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet that you've kept that going. Yeah, he kept that going. He loves to do it. Your stepfather, you had a guitar, and he wouldn't allow it in the house, I heard? Well, I finally got a guitar. My my brother, uh, Denny, wound up uh, buying me a guitar at Unimart, I think. And, uh, you know, I was thrilled just to have a guitar, and he hooked up his um, his, uh, his, uh, his record player, a phono player and uh, turned it into a um, you know like an amp, and so I could play it through the amp. So this drove my stepfather nuts. You know, he just hated to hear that. You know? <laughs> what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. You're banging on that thing. <laughs> and I'd be sitting there, you know, I'm banging on it. Well, it sounds good. That's better than your crummy opera. <laughs> what what kind of things were the weeds playing, Stephen? The uh, British well, invasion stuff. L- a lot of Beatles yeah. and a lot of Stones. I did a lot of Stones. I we did this um, the Claremont the Claremont Battle of the Bands in San Diego, 
and my brother was like telling me, uh, jump off the stage, jump off the stage and walk up to girls and point at them and sing, you know? And I was like scared to death. I'd never even kissed a girl. So uh, I wound up jumping off the stage and it was that uh, Stone song, uh, Everybody Needs Love. Everybody needs somebody. I need you, you, you. So I was like looking at these girls who were like, you know, 11 or something. Oh. <laughs> so I need you, 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 you know. Uh, weird memory, but we got second place. Pretty good. Was there was there a cover of Lemon Tree, Trini Lopez's Lemon Tree, where you played the bongos? Yeah, that was early on uh, when I first started getting into music. I was really into folk music at that point in my life. I was listening to the Limelighters and oh yeah, Kingston Trio and you know all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I knew I knew this kid, and he he and I would go to the Chicken Kitchen. That's what the name was. It was down the block from my house, and we'd peer in the windows, uh, the screens, you know, and we'd be singing "Lemon Tree." That's the only song we knew. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon Tree, very. You know, I was That's like, it. "All right," you know, with the bongo thing. Now, do you do a Trini Lopez imitation? No, no. Oh. <laughs> Trini's still with us. Wow, still hanging around. Wow. Yeah, I, I used to like Trini. His song, uh, oh, that record. Um, uh, if I had a hammer, sure. I, I love that one. Yeah. I was like eleven or twelve. He was a big star for a time. He was. He was huge. Doing the research, like Johnny Rivers was. Johnny too, Rivers, right? love Johnny Rivers. Yeah. Doing the research on you, Stephen. I we found something that we talk about on this show. You were you were reminiscing about the days of of old ra- radio, top forty radio. When you when you had variety, you could hear Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, yeah. and then you could hear the Beatles and Hendrix and Sinatra. You know, I did this uh, concert for Clear Channel once, and they're this big, you know, radio uh, demographic thing. And so I I played for this guy, and I said, you know, I have a good idea for radio. And he said, Oh, really? What? We're looking for something new. So I go, Well, how about going back to like when I was fifteen, and I get a radio station. And then they play Frank Sinatra, followed by Jimi Hendrix, followed by I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Sure. Country. Lynn Anderson. And yeah. you, have, or you heard a little bit of every kind of style. And that's what was so great. I just miss that. We miss yeah, it terribly. Yeah. It used to be like you'd hear Strangers in the Night, and, and then you'd hear The Stones. Yeah. And yeah. then there'd be Candyman, you know. And the DeFranco family. Was oh, a, my God. Was a little bit of, a, a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, you've gone too far now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had ABC in New York. We had Ron Lundy and Harry Harrison yes. and all of these guys at Top 40 AM in New York. And it was, you know, it, it, the charts were different, too. I mean, what they were playing was reflective of what was on the charts. So you could right. have Candyman, and you could have Rose Garden. Do you remember that record? It was the weirdest record. It was number one. I don't know who did it, but it was. Uh, it went, uh, shut up of your face. You remember that song? Oh, yeah. It was Forget like a number name. one, <laughs> shut up of your face. You know, and all your friends would go, shut up of your face. Well, you, you make a point, too. You, you could hear novelty records in those days on the yeah, charts. That's right. It's so different the, the now. Like, there's no the sh- new dances. It's like no. uh, in the old days, you had the twist and you had the frug and all that stuff. And now there's like nobody invents dances anymore. You'd hear something like Convoy or Ray Stevens' The Streak or something like that. Oh, and the, oh, the, what was along it? Along with the, other hits. 
the Green Berets. Ballad of the Green Berets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or how and, about an open letter to my teenage son? Oh, I'm yes. Really dating myself. Oh, yes. You and, know, if you want to go out and grow your hair long, that's fine as long as you give me money. Well, actors were charting <laughs> then. I mean, you could hear Lauren Green doing Ringo. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Different times. And, yeah, and then, time. and you owe it to yourself if you haven't already heard it, Frank Sinatra singing Mrs. Robinson. God, that sounds like, I wonder if I have heard that. Oh, oh, it's the worst. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And we love Sinatra, as you yeah. do. Oh, I do. You know, I saw Sinatra, um, I uh, went to see him on Valentine's Night or something a billion years ago, and it was towards the end of his life, and he was still doing shows, and he had his son as the conductor. Sure. Uh, what was yes. Frank Jr. Frank Jr. Yeah. And so he's he's like uh, he's like singing to people, and he was sounding great. And all of a sudden, he would like he turn his whole body around and yell at his son on stage, and oh. he go, "You call that an arrangement? That's <laughs> oh screwed. How could you do that? Anyway, my way." And then he come back to singing, and then he kept going back looking at. At uh, his son going, really? I should have never raised you as a child, you know. <laughs> was it? Was he saying all this shit on stage? It was at the Desert Inn. Was it shtick, or was he just working him over? No, he was mad. Wow. Why? He, he, we should have rehearsed this. Why didn't you? You know. This so, kind of so Frank Sinatra was like a scumbag father. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> no, but he did pay all those that money to get him back after he had been kidnapped. Now, here's what I don't understand. When That's Frank funny. Jr. got kidnapped, with all the mobsters that Frank was friends with, why didn't he have those guys killed? <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Can you help me now? <laughs> I got a better question. I got a safer question. Was he aware of your lyric and on and on? The Sinatra, the Sinatra reference. He, uh, actually, I, I, I used to get my hair cut at this place, and Tina Sinatra used to go there. So ah. one time I talked to her, and she said that she had gone and uh, gone to Palm Springs with him one time, and he, she was driving him, and she asked him if he had ever heard that, and he, he did. So he. He never like, you know, there was never like a brand new bicycle on my front porch or anything saying, love you, Frank. You know, I never had that. <laughs> the least he could have done. Joe Dolce, by the way, I looked it up. Shut up your face. Oh, is that the who The artist is? was Joe, Joe D-O-L-C-E. Oh, and there used to be that song and it was taken off the air. And that was the coming to take me away, haha. Oh, Napoleon. Oh, that was uh, really a long time ago. Yeah. Napoleon. Yeah. That was like 65 or 66. Yeah, they yeah, real decided old stuff. it was uh, like making fun of like people with mental problems. So they took it off the air. <laughs> so wow. at, at what point, Stephen, the, the weed, so the weeds are, are doing battles of the bands and things of this nature. At, yeah. The, at, you know, the weeds never became, you know, a big thing. Oh, I know. And, and by the way, the name, uh, we never called ourselves the weeds after pot. We weren't that hip. We, we called ourselves the weeds after the weeds in the backyard. <laughs> just, a, just an inanimate object. Yeah. At what yeah. point did you decide to make the, the pilgrimage, to, to, to leave San Diego, go, go up to L.A. And, and, and try to make a, uh, a run at this? Yeah, it was, was there a, we, was there a catalyzing moment? Was there a? We'd been up to LA once and recorded. It was just I don't. I wish I had a rec, you know that recording, but 
And then we went again when I was like 17, uh, about 17, 17 and a half. And um, I wound up uh, taking my guitar and just walking around uh, Hollywood, you know, knocking on doors and trying to, you know, get, and I would try everything. I would try English accents, you know. Yeah, I just got over, you know, from England, and I'm very good friends with George Harrison's nephew. And I would come up with all this crap, you know. know, Anything just to get your foot in the door, you know, is so difficult. Now it must be impossible. But I wound up finding this guy who worked at Dot Records. He was the head guy, Milt Rogers. He said, come on in, son. You know, it was one of those guys. And I had my guitar with me, and he said, okay, I want to hear something commercial. And I said, what's that? I didn't know what commercial. I thought he meant the commercial like on uh-huh. the TV. Uh, I never heard that expression. So I wound up playing them tons of songs, you know, and all my, you know, Beer Can on the Beach songs and and Benny the Wharf Rat and all that. And uh, he said, good, that's good, but I don't hear a hit. And then I finally played this new song I was working on called Daisy Hawkins. And uh, he went, he slapped his hand on the desk and he said, kid, that's a hit. And uh, and what wound up happening is after that meeting, I wound up going up to E.H. Morris Publishing. They were a publishing company that published all these musicals like Mame, Bye Bye Birdie, uh-huh. Hello Dolly. And uh, they wound up signing me because to, to, I said the right thing. Oh, this guy says it's a hit and da-da-da-da. And they said, well, great, let's sign you. So they signed me for $50 a week as a staff songwriter. And that's like, what year is that? I guess that's, uh, what was that? It was 70. Yeah. Well, 70. you said you said you were turned down by every label and every producer in town. Just about, yeah. yeah. I didn't <laughs> yeah. do well. You were in a classic uh, movie moment in Animal House. See, we do jump around. Yeah. No, that was my twin brother. <laughs> no. well, well, tell us how John you met Landis. Tell us how you met Landis. Okay, I, I met Landis actually. I met John Landis uh, in nineteen. It's amazing, I remember uh, through dates, but uh, I think it was like nineteen seventy one. During an where earthquake, it was the big LA earthquake, and and um, my good buddy uh, Charlie Villers was friends with him. So we, I wound up meeting him. We wound up becoming becoming great friends. I'm not really friends with them anymore, but we, we, we were like great, great friends for years. And he put me in, you know, Kentucky fried movie. I'm doing, um, wait a minute, take this off for a minute. Since I was a kid, I've always made this duck. Hi there. How you doing? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I'm in the, in the bath, I'll, I'll I'll make conversations. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Oh, not bad. Anyway, so. uh, Just so the audience will know, he's moving his fingers around. That looks like like a duck. Well, he's doing like a a shadow puppet. Yes. Yeah. He kind of, but it's, you know, there's this thing. Anyway, so. So uh, I, I do that uh, in, in Kentucky Fried Movie. I'm in the section that's uh, California Girls in, no. A Catholic Catholic Girls in Trouble. Right. And so I do this, and I go, Surfing USA. You know, which makes no sense at all. But, you know. <laughs> well, they so give that's it what I did in the movies. And, uh, and then he asked me to do Animal House. And um, 
I wrote the theme to Animal House. I incorporated all the characters in the song. And, uh, you know, and then I was going to uh, be on the, you know, uh, actually, I was supposed to be downstairs flirting with Karen Allen at that time. That's what they wanted me to do at first. And then they changed it, and they had uh, me sitting on the steps and it was my idea to do that song because they wanted a song that was public domain. Mm -hmm. So I sang the song. I gave my love a cherry that had no stone. <laughs> I gave my love a chicken <laughs> that had no bone. Right. Gave my love a story that had no end. I gave. And then that's when he took my guitar and smashed it. Lucy. You, did, did you know what he was going to do? Yeah. But okay. I, 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 I didn't did a know. Great, you did a great job of looking frightened. Well, I, I generally, I was, I was, <laughs> I know I now have that broken guitar. I had everybody sign it in the cast and then it's hanging in my house in a frame. Wow. I, lo I love that. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. But first a word from our sponsor. Now, what, what do you remember about Belushi? That's built. That's Judy Jacklin, by the way, on the staircase with you, isn't it? John's, John's, mm -hmm. uh, John's wife. John's wife was yeah. right in back of me. Right. Um, well, I had a lot of experiences with Belushi. You know, he was a, you know, uh, he was a different guy. He was like a somebody uh, who was like, um, had a lot of personality, you know, and a lot of personalities. He would buy, he could be sweet as could be. And he could also be a little nasty. <laughs> and so, I remember we went to some Chinese restaurant once in New York and and people were screaming at him on the sidewalk on the uh, across the street saying do the B do the B remember that way yeah, back sure. then he hated everybody the B. He yeah. hated that B and he said, yeah. fuck you with the fucking B <laughs> <laughs> He didn't like that <laughs> Going back to Kentucky Fried uh movie when yeah. we give us some context, I mean, an attractive woman comes up to you and says, "Show me your nuts," before before you 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 do that thing. What what was your was there a reaction from friends and family? Hey, I'm in a movie. No, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> Nobody would see it. You Nobody know, saw know, it. My, everybody you know, was really religious on my family side. I was raised a Christian Zionist, so it's a whole different thing. And you when you, when you were asked to do the Animal House theme. Was it your idea to do the falsetto, to do the Frankie Valley? Oh, you mean for that song Dream Girl? Well, for Dream Girl and, and also the theme. You're you're in the Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well the the movie's set in nineteen sixty two. And who was big in nineteen sixty two? Right, good point. Four seasons. Good point. Sherry. Sherry baby Sherry. You know. So it was all that. So it became very easy for me to go. Let me tell you about some friends I know. They're kind of crazy, but you dig the show, you know. And then I incorporated all the characters in the script because I had a script with me um, in the mo in the song. So you know, Boone and Katie playing cat and mouse, you know, and all that, you know. You're still doing that song in concert because I saw you. I saw a clip of People you. Love in that song. March of this year, doing it. Oh, you saw me in March? No, I saw a clip of you on YouTube. Doing the doing the song back in March or April. Oh, really? Doing it for doing it for an audience, and I love oh, the wow. fact that you can still get up there. Well, thank you. 
And I thought I knew everything about Animal House, Stephen, but the the Carrie Fisher little tribute at the end of Dream Girl, I had had never heard before. Well, I had a big crush on her back then, so that I I did uh, a little Easter egg. uh, I did. What did I do? I go. Oh, I I said at the very end of Dream Girl, be my Dream Girl, right? Which is the song that's playing when Dream Girl and make my dream come true. You know, I, I tried to do it like Four Seasons. And then I, at the very end, I go, Carrie, baby. I said, Carrie, baby. Yeah, it's a nice little tribute. De- Gilbert, yeah, I Gilbert. miss her, too. I miss yeah. her. I think she, you know, we weren't, we never went bowling or anything, but, you know, she was like a uh, a friend of mine at one point in my life, and uh, it's, she was so talented. Yeah. Wow. She She's, could do Judy Garland. You'd swear it was Judy Garland. She seems like one of those hub people, you know, that every, that, that every, she touched so many different people's lives. We had Griffin Dunn in here a couple of weeks ago. It was a friend of hers. Beverly D'Angelo we had on the show. It's a friend of hers and Treat Williams, and now you. She's touched a uh. lot A lot of our guests, uh, had longstanding friendships with her. Craig Bierko oh, yeah. Bier- is another one. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and she paid Gilbert a compliment. Yeah, I, I was doing a roast with her, and she looks at me and smiles and goes, you are just my type. And, <laughs> and, I, and I said, "What? what's your type? And she goes, little, cute, and funny. I thought you were going to say breathing. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we're on Landis, uh, and we'll move past it, but you also turn up in the Blues Brothers as one of the... I right. love how he kept giving you the trooper. same... Yeah, he kept giving you the same credit. Charming I, guy. Well, that, it was always a little bit different. Right. I think the first in Animal House, I was charming guitar player, yeah. and uh, in uh, in Blues Brothers, I was charming state trooper. Uh, then I, and I did Twilight Zone. I was in Twilight Zone as a as a soldier. Charm. <laughs> one of one of Nita Meyer's troops. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> no. Uh, and then I was in that, and I was charming state uh, charming GI. And then the last one I did was, uh, uh, wait a minute, did I do all of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Kentucky, four of them. Kentucky Fried four. Movie, uh, Animal House, Blues Brothers, and, Twi- and Twilight Zone. Right, right. Yeah. Blues I, I, Brothers, that was my line, you know. Um, uh, they, I wasn't in the script. When it, when I was in the police car, and then it flips over when mm-hmm. they trash the mall, and then it's t- turning round and round. And so I go, they broke my watch. That was my line. <laughs> what, one other Landis project we might as well mention. You're in the Thriller video. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Well, not, you'd have to, you know, put on your bifocals or something to find me. But, I mean, uh, I was in a yellow shirt uh, to, the, to the right of Michael Jackson and his date. And uh, you could see me, though, on a, as long as you have a wide screen. I, I want to go back to the struggling years, Stephen. There's, oh, yeah. there's There's some good stuff in there. And I, I was telling Gilbert that at one point you were basically in your Volkswagen going from celebrity's house to celebrity's house auditioning. You were you went to Barbara Streisand's. You went to oh. uh, Diana Ross's house yeah. auditioning songs or, or pl- I was very playing your repertoire in, for them. As a songwriter, I, I did find a way to get in to play for a song. You know, now it would never happen, but back then it was a, 
you know, you could possibly play in person for a person, for a human being, a celebrity, a singer. And, uh, and so I did that with uh, Melissa Manchester. She didn't record any of my songs. I did that with Diana Ross. I'm like sitting there with Diana Ross, you know, going, uh, she, and she's like, I think she had a Valium or something. <laughs> she seemed a little laid back, but, uh, you know, she was going, that's great. That was, she was being very nice. I must have played about 30 songs for her. When all of a sudden, knock, 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 who's at the door? Smokey Robinson Jr. Wow. Smokey Robinson, what? And so he comes in. What, what a great songwriter. And so he sat there and listened to me, and he says, I want to sign you. And I was like, wow. But he was working at Motown. And that would be like, well, I think I'll jump off a cliff <laughs> if I go with Motown. You played so, at Michelle Phillips' house too, and what what was the story that Beatty and, and Nicholson popped in? Oh yeah, right, right, right. You got all the stuff. Um, I wound up uh, going to. I had an assignment, right, to go and play songs for Michelle Phillips. So I didn't know that Michelle Phillips was living with Warren Beatty. And so I go there to their house on Mulholland Drive, and uh, I got my guitar and a songbook and everything. And uh, just as I get there, Warren Beatty and Jack Nicholson are walking up to the house to get into the house to eat something or something. And they had played tennis uh, on the you know tennis court there. And so I sat with them because she was late and she was doing her thing and she was going to come down a little while and she was also making food. And, um, and so I, uh, so Warren Beatty said, Hey, play me a song. So I went, Oh, okay. So I had just written this song of mine, careless. And, uh, which is on my first album. His first album is called careless. And, uh, I played it for him and he said, you know, you don't need that one line. Oh, <laughs> Right here, you could really just, you could take that out. And anyway, I followed his his thought. You know, I wound up making the change, and I I uh, changed it. So that was pretty neat. And so, um, funny thing, you know, she made chili, right, Michelle? Okay, I don't know how to say this, but it, this was so funny at the time to me. But it, it doesn't really read or say it doesn't sound that funny. But. Uh, at one point, I found myself in line in the kitchen for chili. It was Warren, Jack Nicholson, and me. <laughs> and it was just like me. And so I'm like really nervous because they're like <laughs> mega stars and everything. So I go, um, very, my voice is shaking. And I go, uh, Jack. And he goes, yeah, you know, and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he goes, have you ever tried a poached egg on chili? <laughs> really good he looks at me total deadpan no never tried it <laughs> that's the extent of my conversation with him steven i see the guitar behind you and before we get too deep into the show do you want to play something for us sure careless i was gonna or... tell you my burt Bacharach story. oh i but... love the burt Bacharach story you want me to wait no no whatever you want to do well um, okay. Uh, in 1981, I had uh, a lot of things I was doing. I was producing people. I was doing this and doing writing this, doing that for movies and blah, blah, blah. And like number 16 on the list was write song with Burt Bacharach for the movie Arthur. You know, uh, it, it, they were doing a soundtrack album. And so they wanted songs. 
So I go, I'm thinking like Burt Bacharach, you know, I, I was a major fan, but I thought, oh, he's probably much older now and he's probably out of it. So <laughs> I show up at the door. <laughs> I'm thinking it's going to be, hey, it's Burt Bacharach. How you doing? Sit down, you know. And he's like total the opposite of that. He was like incredibly handsome. He had like a, a tennis, you know, racket in his hand and he had a sweatshirt and he'd just been playing tennis. And he's like, Stephen, come on in. And so we, I came in and I wrote this this song with him and his girlfriend at the time, Carol Bayer Sager. So he plays. He gets his his. Uh, we were in the music room and his white grand piano was on like a pedestal. It was like above, so you look up at him, and he gets up on there and he plays this chord that was like, I don't know what an L seven five six something. Uh, and it was like, jing, and I swear, uh, two white doves flew out of the piano. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, <laughs> listen to this guy. He was like, his chords, his stuff, he's like, amazing. So uh, he, he's, you know, uh, let's see. Well, I guess I could tell this. So he, um, so he's, you know, brought out a joint, and we wind up smoking a joint. And, you know, there's nothing like Burt Bacharach stash. He's like, God, I... <laughs> I got so so blasted. I was like really blasted, and I was like really worried that like how am I going to write something? I'm so out of it. Ah, I got to get it together. So I go, you know. So I turn on my little tape recorder, and I always do that when I'm writing a song, and a little cassette tape recorder so it records everything. So that was going, and uh, I say, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom real quick. So I go to the bathroom. I look in the mirror. I go. You idiot. That's Burt Bacharach out there. Oh, my God. And, like, all these songs start going through my head. Like, you'll never get to heaven if you break my... The look of love. Do you know the way to... <laughs> you know, all of his stuff. <laughs> and I'm, I'm scared to death. And so I, I went out there, and uh, we actually did write a song um, that was uh, on the soundtrack. I don't, I don't know if it was in the movie, but it was called... Um, only love or it's only love or something. And it's really turned out good and uh, very happy about that. And um, so I'm on my way home. So I'm playing the cassette. Only love. And, and uh, excuse me, could I use the bathroom real quick? Uh, I hear myself say that. And all of a sudden I'm listening to them talking and I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to tape them. So they're like talking like baby talk. And they're like, she was like, <laughs> she, she was like going, Bert, I'm tired. I want to go to bed now. I'm tired, Bert. And, he, and he's like, well, baby, don't worry about it, baby. You know, uh, you know, we'll get a little sushi or something. And uh, no, no problem, baby. And I'm like feeling so like a creep that I'm listening to their personal conversation. Hilarious! <laughs> do you do you want to play something for the from the, yeah from, yeah yeah from the new record? We see the guitar there behind you. Let me put on my. I have to wear these braces, which is just a real drag. But I have to wear these braces because I played video games for twelve no for twenty five years. Wow, interesting. Twenty five years of video games goofed up my thumbs. Wow. Yeah, they did. And then we, right. we want to hear about the cheese injury later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's another thing. 
All right. Let's see. What should be the first song? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, what does it say? Jimmy? Oh. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, hi. Oh, almost got me in the nose there. We're making it a mic adjustment. <laughs> All right. No problem. Okay. This is a song. This is a song that uh, Jimmy Webb wrote, and I recorded it because I love it. Uh, it's called Someone Else. Oh, it's on and, the new album. Uh, it's on the new album. Um, uh, he wrote it when he was 12. And, uh, you know, I really relate to it because I had a girlfriend uh, in high school named Claudia Higgins. And one day I came out of math class to surprise her in the lunch quad, and she was in the arms of Brad Bright, this guy, Brad Bright. <laughs> and and she was like, oh, Brad. Uh. And I was like totally heartbroken. And uh, I wound up going to her locker to get information. And so I knew her combination. So I opened up her locker and I see, uh, oh, I get this nifty binder, you know, and I, with a magnetic thing. And so I, I, I look on the first page, dear Brad, I think Steve's on to us. Wow. So, so I can't read that. <laughs> so I so I wound up um I just I really relate to this song. Uh, is it sounds very, now they're married by the way, which is uh good for them. Anyway, um, <laughs> So here it is. Here it is. Let's see. I haven't practiced today, so I hope I don't goof up.
was 12 years old can you believe it his songs are so we just saw him just the other night in concert he was just amazing his songs are so uh, i mean you know think of all of them macarthur park uh didn't we the highwaymen uh wichita lineman um i love all i know the one art recorded yeah i tried to write with him i tried to write with jimmy webb once because we've been friends for like 40 years or something. And we tried to write together because we thought, well, yeah, we should write. And uh, we get in a room. Then it didn't really work out too well. And then later he goes, you know, man, there's only one problem with writing with you. I said, what? He goes, you're in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what that meant, but I guess that makes sense. I don't know. He was on this podcast, and he sang uh, MacArthur Park with the guy sitting next to me. Oh, wow. I will send you a clip. It's life cha- It's life-changing, Stephen. <laughs> it's life-changing. <laughs> and, and you're like one of our seventh guests or something that is loved in the Philippines. Yeah, we had Paul Williams here. And I, I I have a long-standing relationship with the Philippines. I mean, I went there originally in 1980 because I was researching faith healers back then, and because because uh, my brother had t- told me that um, you know this guy John Newcomb, the tennis player, he had hurt himself, and then they healed him over there. And I thought, and I you know I always you know I buy anything, so <laughs> so I went along with it and wound up going all the way to the Philippines. And then since I was there, I went on their TV shows and different things. So they know about me for years and years and years. So um, I've been there. I've played there now 11 times. Last year was my 11th trip. Wow. You're making hmm. a doc about that in, in part? Yeah, we're making a documentary about the trip because I had my uh, my manager film everything. And so, uh, yeah, we, that and my weird career and, you know, it's kind of a mixture of stuff, but it's really funny. There's a lot of funny stuff in it. I got to bring up a name that came up on this podcast out of the blue. We had Rupert Holmes in here a couple of weeks ago and he's become a friend of the show. And, uh, some, we had callers calling up and asking us trivia and somebody called us up and wanted to know who was the famous drummer who appeared as one of spinal taps drummers a famous session drummer, a famous L.A. drummer. And the answer to the question turned out to be Russ Kunkel. Oh, I was going to say Russ Kunkel. Yeah, so there you go. So who's, who was a guy, Russ Kunkel and his and his wife played a— Leah. Yeah, Leah, Leah Kunkel, who I believe Leah is Cass Elliott's sister. Yeah. Yeah, played played a role, a pivotal role in uh, in your career. Oh, she, very much so, yeah. And she's, she's, I'm, she's in town, actually. I'm going to see her uh, uh, this week, hopefully— uh, she, uh, was a good pal of mine. And then, uh, she really liked my songs and stuff. And so she got my songs, uh, and then gave it to Russ and he gave it to, um, Art Garfunkel. This is in like, I don't know, 
75. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave it to him, and he wound up recording two songs on his Breakaway album. And then I was like, you know, finally on my way. You know, I was like, I finally got a a good thing. A turning know? point. That's a beautiful yeah. song, by the way, Looking for the Right One. Yeah, he did Looking for the Right One. I like your version, and I like Art's version. Yeah. So he wound up recording about eight songs of mine. Um, yeah, he, uh, it was a time, you know. I mean, I was so excited to, you know, to work with Art Garfunkel back then, you know. I was, I was a big S&G fan. Sure. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, spilled my Pellegrino. It was just funny that that we were kicking the name Russ Kunkel around on this podcast, and I went home to do the research, to start the research on you, and bam, up came the name Russ Kunkel. So it was just a a funny coincidence. Followed his career, too. I mean, he's played with everybody. You said in an an interview how important music is to just life in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, what if we didn't have music? Ugh. Terrible. Be unlivable. You, you said, like, before you're born, there's your mother's heartbeat. What? You said it. Yeah. I didn't say it. You must what have been told that. You said that before I, I heard my even... mother's heartbeat before I was born? Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. I guess that I, I was taking your, ma- your manager's calling or something. Your manager's calling bullshit on you. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. In New York, I said that? Was that the time I was on psilocybin? (laughs) No way. I don't remember saying that. I heard my mother's heartbeat in the womb. No, you didn't hear it. But you you were saying basically like before someone's born, it's their mother's heartbeat. That's their life. And that's like a rhythm. That's pretty profound, Stephen. I guess so. I, I remember guess, saying it. I guess you it, never fucking said it. I would claim I that shit. I don't remember saying it, <laughs> but you know. Tell us about writing on and on because it's a fun story. How it how it came to uh, it came together. You know, I, I don't remember saying that, but I've had problems with my short term memory, my long term memory, and my short term memory. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, you're perfect for you fit right in at this okay. show. Tell tell us about on and on. Well, it was just, you know, it came from a chord, you know. Um, I was messing around with the guitar, and I hit this chord, and I just went, oh, this chord is so cool. I better do something with this chord. So I just kept playing it, and days went by. I didn't eat or sleep, and I just hit this chord. And people from miles around would come just to hear this chord. Finally, I thought, I better do something with this chord. I'll do a little bit of this. Down in Jamaica, they got lots of pretty women. Steal your money, then they break your heart. Lonesome Sue, she's in love with old Sam. Take him from the fire into the frying pan. on trying and she smiles when she feels like crying on and on on and on on and on 
Turn to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. Yeah, it was at the time I was, uh, you know, trying to make it and, you know, the whole thing. And, uh, and that's when I wrote it. I was, my landlady had all these exotic flowers. And so I just wanted to be somewhere other than Silver Lake. <laughs> and so I said, uh, you know, down in Jamaica, you know, hence the, the, Rita Marley going, you, what do you know about Jamaican women? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't it it have a different lyric in that spot? Wasn't it something about Fiji mangoes before? Oh, that was on the rough. You must've looked at the rough draft. I did. I looked at your book. Oh yeah. Yeah. It had feed you mangoes and and all these terrible lines. (laughs) It had like, you know, uh, find a lover in the five and ten cent store and the, you know, terrible lines, you know. <laughs> well, I want to recommend that book, which people can find online, which yeah, I, yeah, th- it's hard to find. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's on, if, if you go to Amazon, you can find it. I mean, there's some great stories. You, you had injured yourself, which is a whole other show, but you injured yourself carrying yeah. a plate of brie. <laughs> no, it was bigger than that. What was it, it was a tray? Huge. A yeah, big tray a of cheese. Thing of cheese. Uh, yeah. And you couldn't play, so you decided to write this book. <laughs> was that it? That's true. I was on uh, Vicodin for about, you know, three months. And yeah. I was just really, I don't know if there's a different Vicodin now, but it was, it was like the Vicodin back then, I was like flying, you know, and I was calling everybody. And I, I talked to, uh, I still have the rough drafts actually a lot of a lot of them. I have, uh, the uh, uh, stand alive, stand alive. <laughs> uh, by the Bee Gees, yeah. I have a boarding pass that they wrote. You know, Robin B B G wrote the um, you know lines from the song on it and stuff. Yeah. And I've got uh, Monster Mash, the the rough of Monster Mash. The Doc Palmer story ones. is very sweet. That he oh the Doc where, Palmas, where he yeah. wrote he wrote their lyrics for Save the Last Dance on a on his on his wedding invitation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sweet story. 
Yeah, it's a great book. I mean, people who've seen it love it. Did you, you know? write a letter to Dylan trying to get your hands on yes. some original? Uh, I did. What happened? What, what was the result of that? It was weird to write a letter to him because I was like, um, "Dear Bob," <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> comma, um, you know, uh, yeah. I wrote to him. I wrote to Pete Seeger. I wrote to everybody back then, and. Um, you know, I actually met uh, Bob Dylan once. Uh, I met just about everybody. I never met you, Gilbert. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I met a lot of people, and I was at this party from my uh, the, my chiropractor back then. Uh, his his uh, one of his patients was Bob Dylan, and so uh, this must be about like thirty years ago or something. And so uh, I went to this party, and there's Bob Dylan, and you're like, "Wow, Bob Dylan!" You know. And I walk over to him, you know, I swear to God, this is true. I say, oh, it's so great to meet you. Uh, hi, great to meet you. I, my name's Stephen Bishop. He goes, Stephen Bishop. Oh, <laughs> no, I shouldn't do all those <laughs> sound effects. <laughs> oh, you know, like I saw him in concert. Every song was like, oh, <laughs> taxi. Uh, so he goes, um, wow, you're famous. He says, wow, you're famous to me. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm famous. You're like really famous. <laughs> wow. Do you know do you know that old story about his singing? Because I, I I mentioned it in um my book. And I had I'd called everybody and I one of the people uh, uh that I called, I talked to um this girl who was the daughter of uh Woody Guthrie. Uh her name is uh Sharon Guthrie or something like that. Anyway, and that was his big, you know, he loved him so much, you know, and he fashioned all his songwriting from him. And she told me that during the final stages of his life, Woody Guthrie's life, he had Huntington's disease. And he used to, and, and Bob used to always, he was so enamored with him. He'd come there and sit at his feet and he just loved him so much. So this is a fascinating thing. He was singing like this, you know, um, this land is your land. And Bob Dylan copied that style of sounding like you're sick. And the, his, his, um, his wife, uh, when she used to hear Bob Dylan sing, she used to get very upset because it reminded her of sick her sick husband, you know, because he'd go, well, Ugh, you know, and that's how uh, Woody Guthrie, Guthrie was sounding. So can you imagine he influenced like a whole, the birds, uh, the Tom Petty, everybody, you know, well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing story, really, but it's true. That the, the Woody Guthrie story, too, in the book of how he wrote the uh, This Land is Your Land as an angry response to Irving Berlin's God Bless America was, oh, also, yeah. was also fascinating. We have to tell yeah. our fans to get the book. Songs, yeah. in, songs in the rough. There's a good story too about uh, Al Cooper hating Gary Lewis's version of this diamond ring. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Harry Nielsen, another guy you knew. He comes up a lot on this show. Well, Harry Nielsen was a good friend of mine. Um, he was really good friends with Jimmy Webb. They were really great friends. But I became friends with them in the last, you know, four or five years of his life. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, I wonder what I should tell. Uh, <laughs> I was actually at the, uh, you know, I, I met three of the Beatles, but 
but I never met John Lennon, but I did see him the night that they were has, uh, hassling the Smothers Brothers oh, at the Troubadour. Oh, that's a famous night, yeah. Yeah, I was there because I wound up, I was in the bar, and then I said, could I use the bathroom? And that was an old trick to go through the Troubadour, like you're using the, using the bathroom, then you you know hide yourself away and, and watch the show <laughs> for free. So um, I did see him, His he had a, you know, I, I mean, I was such a John Lennon fan, uh, still am, but um, I didn't know the whole thing, you know, of why they were arguing or anything. Where was I going with this? Wait oh, a, a Harry Nielsen story. Oh, Harry Nielsen. <laughs> and he was with John Lennon that night, yeah, and they got in a fight, and it was awful. I knew uh, Harry Nielsen. Um, he, I was at a party, and uh, no. Don't tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you so we'll talk about it later in the car. <laughs> Perfect segue. What was this? I remember hearing that story. What was the story with the Beatles and uh, the Smothers? It was Boys? just Harry and John. No, it was Harry and John heckling, Lennon. heckling the Smothers. They were Brothers they were drunk the and they were hassling the Smothers Brothers. You know, and I I could tell it was the Smothers Brothers. Then I looked and I saw John Lennon's face. He had a big face. Yeah, that's a that's a famous and, night. And what's the Gary Lewis one? Well, I don't know anything about that. I never met Gary. Lewis. Well, it's in your book. Think. Yeah. Well, people will have to get the book. I'll give yeah, you I'll my co- I'll book. give you my copy of the book, Gil. Okay, yeah. here's what you were waiting for. I know. Here it is. Here it is. Chestnuts roasting <laughs> on an open fire. Stephen, will you will you sing something Everybody with Everybody knows <laughs> a turkey and another turkey make two turkeys. <laughs> Gilbert okay, so. wants to know if you'll if you'll be brave enough to sing something with him. Sure. Uh I okay. It what might do you want to sing? You, but do you have what Paul Chill sing? Well, what, he didn't else? write that one. You want to sing? It might be you with him. Yes, sure. What if? I mean, it, are you going to sing like good <laughs> or like <laughs> or like strange? You, you, you haven't heard this show. You, yeah, you never <laughs> heard me before. He sang with Tommy James, Ron Dante, Jimmy Webb. Who else? Oh, Tony Orlando. Tony Orlando. Dick uh, Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. Lots oh yeah, of- Dick Van Dyke was a very known singer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> why do, well, he'll do a little bit of. Uh, why don't you take it to all of my life, and then Gilbert will do uh, the middle section. Do you want to do it on your own or with me? You'll do, you'll do because we're on Skype. We'll have to do yeah, each section we separately. Block each other. Or out. you'll block okay. each other out audio wise. Time, I've been passing time. Watching trains go by All of my life Lying on the sand Watching seabirds fly Wishing there would be Someone Something's telling me it might be you It's telling me it might be you All of my life Lo, 
walk walking back on lovers go walking past. Perfect. <laughs> All of my life. Wondering how they met and what makes it last. If I found a place, would I recognize the face? Something's telling me it might be you all of my life. You do you can do this part, Steven. Less of him, less of him is better. <laughs> so many quiet walks to All of my life, <laughs> I've been saving love songs and lullabies. Been waiting for all of my life. Maybe it's you. It's you. It's you. It's you. Waiting for all of my life. Throwback to the Bish album. Uh, yeah, right, really. Which 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 Vicodin is going to be? Uh, which Vicodin is necessary for that, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> You're a brave man. No, no. Yeah. Me take drugs. <laughs> there was a one time in my life where I didn't smoke marijuana. I was marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna plug the new album again. What? When can we expect the book and the documentary? Uh, the book should come out hopefully the end of this year or uh, beginning of next year, and um, the album's coming out tomorrow. I love the I love like mother like daughter. Great. Oh, like mother like daughter. Great track. She was three years old when the postcard came, with just a lipstick kiss and her mama's name. Mama had to get away from the old humdrum Like mother, like daughter, like father, like son Nice. The whole album's yeah. terrific. Thank you. And it's got the Jimmy Webb cover that you played. Uh, it, it's a little bit of everything. I tried to, you know, because I'm a student of the Beatles, uh, you know, they always had like so much variety in their albums. You know, they had fast songs, slow songs, interesting sure. songs. You know, and I wanted to go that route. I wanted to have, you know, I didn't want to have an album. So many albums you get now, you know, that you play the song and then the next song sounds kind of the same and the next song sounds the same. I didn't want to do that. Well, I want to plug this one. We'll talk about it later in the car. We got the title right. I also, for personal reasons, I love the Bish album and Careless. I think our listeners should get your first two records. 
Uh, oh, you didn't like Red Cab to Manhattan? I like Red Cab to Manhattan, too. I like Sex Kittens Go to College, now that you asked. Sex Kittens Go to College. <laughs> Are you a Mamie Van Doren fan? Where did that, where did that lyric come from? Sex Kittens Go to College. <laughs> Sex Kittens Go to College. Sex Kittens Go to College. I wonder what they're studying tonight. Yeah. Did, did you want to ask Stephen if he met Orson Welles on on the Henry Jackal yes. movie? You know, I was I was telling my manager I should have a special a part in my book for all the people I've met and shook hands with. You should. Who weren't looking at me. <laughs> who weren't looking at me as they shook my hand. I shook Orson Welles, the great Orson Welles. He was looking off the side. Yeah, how you doing? Shake. I met Robert Redford at the Academy thing, and he was like, yeah, looking off to the side as he's shaking my hand. <laughs> That's a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There should be a big list, I think. of <laughs> Gilbert, you'll be jealous of Gilbert because I know you're a big Steely Dan fan, and last night oh, yeah. Gil Gilbert was with Donald Fagan, and in fact, you, stole, you yes. stole something from him. Yes, I went back to Donald Fagan's hotel room, and I stole, like, a sewing kit, uh, <laughs> toothbrushing kit, shampoo. Just last night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. I felt very proud of myself. <laughs> yes, get Red Cab to Manhattan. Uh, I love the uh, Little Italy song, which is not on that album, but I love that oh, song. Little Italy. Little yeah, Italy. It kills me to play with my thumbs. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> I wouldn't make you play it. But uh, the Bish album is great. You got the Whistling Bichettes on there. Bish's Hideaway. Carrie's in the first row. Yes, Carrie and and I think Cameron Crowe was on, was uh, was doing some yeah. backup vocals on that record. Cameron Crowe. No, he wasn't doing background vocals. He was just What there. was he doing? Oh, you just Oh, he was whistling. You made him See, a bitch hat. I had everybody whistle ah. the uh, Onward Christian Soldiers. Onward Christian Soldiers. Cuz I used to hear that in, when I was in church and you know, when I was a kid and it was like <laughs> So I had all these people whistling. <laughs> The you know. Whistling Bichettes. Yeah, The Whistling Bichettes. And, and get the book. You guys can find it. You know, we do a lot of music history on this show. We do episodes where okay. we just talk about song history, and your your book is perfect for that. Songs in the Rough. Did I mention the name of the book? I just did. No, my book. Oh, your ah. book. <laughs> what is your book called? On and Off. Love it. And, and you're one of the few people who remembers... My season of Saturday Night Live. Well, I remember, uh, you know, I think, okay, let me just check to see who was on it. My memory serves. I've always been a big fan of SNL. Even when they went down, <laughs> they went as funny. <laughs> the Gilbert years. I, I was loyal. I stuck with them. It's kind of like, I remember they, that happened there with Perrier once. You know, they said, uh, you know, about 30 years ago, I was such a Perrier fan. And they said, oh, there's something in the cap, and it's going to give you cancer. I was like, I'll drink it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember, um, you know, Elaine, uh, you know, uh, was on that show, your show, wasn't uh, she? Julia Louis-Dreyfus? No, yeah, she, was, she was the she was season right after. Oh, she was? Yeah. So did you, what was that woman's name? Uh, and so the tip of my tongue. Uh, they was, she was they, friends with Woody Allen. She produced oh, it. Oh, right? was Gene Dominion. She Dominion. was the producer. But who who actually, I mean, uh, he left, right? Lorne Michaels. Uh, yes, yes. 
So you had, wasn't she doing the show, really? Oh, well, she was the producer. Yeah, she picked you, Gil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was directing? Like that guy, Paul? Dave. Dave Wilson. Dave, Dave Wilson. Yeah, Dave, yeah. Dave Wilson. Wilson. Right. Yeah. Gilbert's cast was Joe Piscopo. All right. Uh, and Risley. Let me see if I can. Oh, do you it. didn't yeah. have that. Uh, you didn't have that weird guy who did Nancy Reagan. No, Terry Sweeney was later. That came, yeah. <laughs> he was a writer on my season. Right. Oof, that you was had rough. Gail Mathias. Yeah. Piscopo. Yes. You. And Risley. Who am I leaving oh, right. out? And Risley. Yeah. And Risley. Donna. Denny Dillon. Denny Dillon. And Charlie Rocket. Gail oh, Mathias. Dillon. Charlie Rocket. <laughs> oh, and and Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy. Oh, Eddie Murphy. Right, forgot oh, him. he was in that. And Joe Piscopo. Joe So that's like 81, 82? I, from 80 to 81. Oh, 80 to 81. He's still very proud of it. Yeah. He oh, did a really good was... Frank Sinatra, Joe Piscopo. <laughs> <laughs> he did that. <laughs> it was, that was an embarrassment. I'm so glad they don't show reruns of my season. <laughs> was it? Did you guys have good writers? I mean, where did it? Was I it don't the know. Cast? It just—I remembered—it sucked all the way around. <laughs> Steven, thanks for schlepping. Thanks Thank for doing this. You. Are you going to be right, New, playing in New fun. York anytime soon? No. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, wait. Yeah, I had to Am think I? about that. Next year, yeah, next year. Okay. We, we want to thank everybody. We want to thank the people on your team, the team at Jensen and Ryan Romanesco. For, for making this possible. And, uh, and and my manager, Liz Camlin. And your manager, and your manager Liz. Yep. And uh, this was a blast. You're a sport what? to sing with Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we'll yeah, talk was, about Andrew Gold. Uh, I was, I know, I had the weirdest thought. I thought, you know, you probably, you don't need a can of Raid or anything in your, in your kitchen. You could just, like, talk uh, and just at the insects and they die. <laughs> I shouldn't even have mentioned that. But could, he's going to sign know, off. Like, could could oh, you do an imitation? Right, and then he, the insects would be gone. Could you do an imitation of me talking to the insects? Hey, you crummy insects. You know, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I don't. It gives me a sore throat. Like, I can do Tom Waits, but I always get a sore throat <laughs> afterward. Sign off. The man's got to right. go home. Go home. Ah. Okay, this is Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we've been talking to the man who may or may not have said that when you're in your mother's womb, <laughs> bring you, that back. you hear her heartbeat. We don't know if he said it or didn't say it. If anyone knows... If you were in a room and he said it, please tell us, Stephen Bishop. Stephen, thanks for putting up with us. <laughs> All right, I had fun. Thank, drive thank carelessly. You. Thank you. Well, she's kind of pretty, drives a big car too. And when I hold her in my arms, I never know what to do. She's got everything she needs. What does she need me for? Just a crazy fool coming back for more. And I know... She's not going, can't live, but I'm not sure. Everybody says, watch out, boy. She'll break your heart like it was a toy. You better save it for a rainy day. You better 
she touches me makes me feel so good when my heart's in her hand this is sure ain't this there's no way I say no when she says yes 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 take me change 